and welcome to the Listen Louder podcast, a place to have open and honest conversations around mental health. I'm Megan Gilbride, the host, and each week I'll be discussing various mental health topics with my guests. For the best experience, try listening on the Entel app, where you'll be able to see and access links to exactly what we're talking about. Welcome back to another episode of Listen Louder. Today I'm joined by one of my best friends, Zoe Newlove. She's a social media coach, makeup artist, graphic designer, model and blogger. Her talents are endless and she has the kindest soul to boot. Her story is one I'm sure will help so many and I'm so pleased to have her on the podcast. Zoe, thank you for being here. God, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) We haven't started yet, please don't cry. Um, So in this episode, we're going to cover a few different topics, but I thought like really the predominant subject we'll be talking about are the effects of grief really um so you've been through so much in the last decade uh just over and i was hoping that you might be able to give people listening a little bit of background on that yeah sure um gosh (laughs) it's crazy it's been 12 years this year since my dad passed away and then this time last year um well coming up to december 18th it's not even been a year yet um, my best friend passed away. So, yeah, I've had a lot of grief to deal with. <laughs> yeah. And it was 2007 that you lost your dad. Yes. Yeah. Um, would you mind telling us just a little bit about him and the story behind that? No, not at all. Um, so my dad was my best friend in the entire world. And when I was 18 years old, um, my sisters and I witnessed um, his death, basically. I mean, this has been all over press and media and stuff so it feels a bit strange talking about it again actually I've not had to talk about this in a while um but yeah we witnessed um my dad get attacked by a gang of youths um and then it went on to like an 11 week um murder trial so yeah that was something I was never expecting to deal with at 18 years old yeah um and it's one of those stories really that you hear and think of like this doesn't happen in real life or this doesn't happen to me but it is and it has and I just can't even really begin to imagine how deeply traumatizing that is it's it's so crazy because even though it's been 12 years I still now have a moment I'm like oh yeah this is this is my life now um I mean for the first two or three years afterwards um it was just I was just numb there was no feeling there um and then there'd be days I'd literally wake up and I'd be like, oh wait, this this is this is real. It's not just mm. a dream. It was really bizarre. <laughs> and you said, like you mentioned a minute ago, that it was all over the media and the press and there was a lot of that yeah. going on at the time. How was that, like, how did you and your family cope with all of that attention when you're going through something, like, so awful? Um, I think, I mean, I can say it now looking back, all of that happened so fast fast with the media and we were literally immediately wrapped up in this um frenzy we had um bbc and sky literally outside of our house um the funeral there was a whole like space in the church dedicated to press um but i think having that and it that being so surreal probably helped in a way because it was just so not expected and it was just it was such an awful time that extra level of it not being you know a private 
affair with the media and things, it just kind of, I don't know, it just felt so like dreamlike. It was just like we were all in a weird trance for a really long time. Like even the court case, we had press following us. I was at university and I dropped out because I had press following me around. God. And you just don't get kind of any choice in whether... No, um, literally, we, well, yeah, literally no choice whatsoever. I mean, um, my mum handled it extremely well and and she, you know, to this day it's a massive part of her job. She'll never let my dad's name be forgotten. She doesn't want him or any other family that go through something that we went through um, to be a statistic. So I think my mum built upon that and I think the media obviously fed on it um, and burst our story into the into the limelight in a sense. Um, but yeah, it's just all... Uh, it, we had to turn negative into a positive and I think that's what we all did without even realising it at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, God, even, like, talking to you about now, my heart's pounding, it's crazy. Like, it just brings up, like, mad emotions oh, still. Course, yeah, <laughs> I think, like, as well, with it being so public, like, dealing with somebody passing away, however that happens, is, like, such a private thing to have that put out there for everybody to kind of know about and judge. Like, I guess, did, did you feel like it was even you were even able to process it until that had all kind of died down? Because even still, it's still in the news now, isn't it? Yeah, um, I've probably in the last five years only just properly processed it. So I definitely um, didn't do any form of processing or acceptance or anything I didn't have. So with grief, like I believe that you feel numb for a while and then you get angry, then you get upset and then you kind of start to deal with it. Um, it's a it can that can happen in a week or it can happen in my case like 10 10 years yeah. I don't believe there's a time frame on it but um yeah it's just you don't there's no guidebook on how to deal with it and I'd never been to a funeral I'd never lost anyone before my dad God. um so um yeah it's a it was a crazy crazy time and you just don't know you don't know that like, I had like a best friend at the time and she just completely stop talking to me because the people around you don't even know how to act because it, it's not just you that it affects it affects everybody around you it's like a, a ripple effect and you don't speak to her still now we do now um i've still never asked her actually um god i hope she doesn't listen to this <laughs> i've um i always laugh in awkward situations sorry um yeah i've never asked her why you know she just cut me out um and she got back in touch with me um when she lost someone herself That's um, interesting. so yeah and I've never not, you know, I've, I've always said to her, we can always be friends. I would never cut someone out of my life. You know, grief affects you in different ways. And I, I know that from personal experience, obviously. So yeah. I was never going to judge her for reacting that way. Yeah. And like, I know you've, you've said to me before that you received loads of letters, like from people that you knew, but also yeah. from random people, like in the like just the members of the public yeah um i've just recently been writing about that whole experience actually um we literally got hundreds of cards and mementos and flowers and this it was just really overwhelming and i used to sit it was in our front room of the old house i just go through them and i just read them because it used to make me feel so much better um and nowadays people don't like I forget to send my sisters a birthday card some years like sending a handwritten card is such an amazing gesture like a random act of like complete kindness just writing to someone that you've never even met so that really really helped me like the public just took our story and they were just so lovely it was overwhelming yeah (laughs) and there was what there was a 
old lady, wasn't there, that sent you a book? Yeah, well, it was an ex-sailor, um, and they sent me The Secret, um, which is, I'll always refer back to it, it's, like, massively changed my entire life. That sounds so, like, dramatic, that one book can do that. Um, but back then, um, The Secret wasn't really well known. Um, it had been published in 2006, so only one year before everything with my dad. Um, I had no idea about the law of attraction or positive thinking or anything like that. Anyway, this this sailor had written a letter saying, and included the book, The Secret, and said, you know, read this and it will it will change your life like it's changed mine. I've still got the letter, I've got a photo of it on my phone. Have you? Yeah. Um, like, it's incredible. And I read that book and I just thought, well... I don't, I don't think I realised up until literally this year, funnily enough, that how much it impacted me. But I read that book and I thought, well, my dad wouldn't have wanted me to be sad for the rest of my life. So if I can just try to be happy, there's that, the worst that's happened to me has already happened. Yeah. So if I just try this like new thing, then why not? So I read it to my mum and my mum took to it way more than I did because um, I was just so distracted with like just dealing with my own emotions. Whereas my mum really like held on to the secret and she still carries a copy of it. She's got the original copy, but um, she carries a new copy of it. And the other books that have since come out after The Secret, like Power and the Magic and stuff oh, in I her handbag. Re- I haven't read those ones. Have you read them? Yeah, yeah I've read them. Oh, God, I'm obsessed with self-help <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, it, that's, she literally like recommends it to everybody. And I, I, I've i read way beyond The Secret now and into like a whole different level of like spiritual and self-help, positive thinking and all that. But yeah, honestly, that that man I met because he was I think he was 85 I think it said on the letter I had no like no idea what his name was there wasn't a name on it and I just even if I could like thank a family member because that one book has like impacted all of us and it's amazing and how do you think that it helped you at that time like looking back um I, I think I just thought well god I'm, I'm getting a bit emotional sorry I have to like <laughs> I just, literally in that time, everything was just so dark and messed up. And I just didn't, I was like, I felt like I'd done something to like deserve this like worst thing. But then there was like a random old man sending me a book to try and help us. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. No, you're I haven't cried about this stuff in ages. Um, anyway, I just, that really lifted me and it just made me think that there was like still no reason to live kind of thing. Cause I was just so down at the time. Um, like my youngest sister, Amy, she like stopped speaking she didn't talk for a really long time she wouldn't even wash out to put her in the shower fully clothed god knows how many times just to encourage her to remember hygiene um, <laughs> so i know bless her um so yeah i, I think i i tried to like my role i felt I'd, i had to look after everybody else so my thing was like make sure amy's okay make sure danielle's okay make sure my mum's okay and this book helped me to do that I think when everyone else started to feel okay, that's when it all kind of hit me. <laughs> yeah, because it was it's only been a few years ago that you were actually officially diagnosed with PTSD. Yeah. And um, how did you get that diagnosis? Um, I was working... I was just started work there, but now, actually. Um, I was working for Space and K, and I collapsed on the shop floor. Um, I hadn't realised at the time, but I, because I just thought my emotion and being angry and upset was a normal thing and that was the rest of my life and I had to just deal with it. I didn't realise that that isn't normal and you don't have to be angry every single day for the rest of your life. Um, so I, I had to go get a doctor's notes. That's the only reason I went to the doctors because I couldn't explain why I wasn't feeling well or that I was dizzy all the time. And 
um I told like the doctor that I was just crying for no reason um I didn't tell him everything so I only really mentioned that I was just crying all the time um and I, he, he'd read about the trauma that I'd been through with my dad um and he just put two and two together and gave me this diagnosis of PTSD and it was only when I uh, got the letter in the post and it said mental health on it I just ripped it up I was just like this I'm not mentally ill I'm absolutely fine and I, I felt like really embarrassed that I'd I might have come across as like a weak person. Um, so then I didn't actually deal with having PTSD for another, I think it was two and a half years after that. And I just carried on living like with PTSD. And then I got home and at this point I destroyed my relationship. My mum and me were arguing all the time. I was crying all the time. I was just in a really bad place. I was literally thinking about killing myself every single day. And I never did because I, I, there's so much love in my family. That's the one thing that's like kept me here. Um, that my mum like dragged me to the doctors and was like, she'd had enough. So then I started therapy then. <laughs> and what are like the main symptoms of PTSD? Are you saying you like you collapsed and... Yeah, so um, just to explain what PTSD is, then you can like understand what the symptoms mean. So when you get diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, it's because your brain's not processed um, a memory the same way that it should do. So for instance, this is happening right now. Our brains will process it and it'll go in like a little filing cupboard in your brain and it'll be shut away and that's that. Whereas when you've been through something traumatic, something goes wrong, there's a glitch, and then that file doesn't get put in that filing cupboard and it just floats around at the front of your mind and it just stays there. It's the only way I can like best explain it. So normally it's associated with people who've been to war or they're in the army and they've seen like horrible things. Um, um, pregnant women um, can get diagnosed with it. Um, it's just when you've gone through like a serious trauma and your body's not been able to process it the way, like you know, the, that event in your life normally. So for me, um, I was having flashbacks all the time. I'm, even to this day, like I can't look at an ambulance going past. I can't look at like gangs going, like or anyone with a hood up. Um, I was actually I recently got mugged, which is delightful, and that really triggered me. It was hor like really horrible, um, and then yeah, just like even certain smells, and it was just really bizarre. Like music can trigger me. It was just everything. Like I can't I can't really explain it, but I just felt horrendous all the time, and that's basically because of that. <laughs> and you went into therapy to help with PTSD. Yeah, I had CBT. And has that helped? Yeah, um, I think more so because basically I had to go in to see my therapist like two or three times a week for an hour at a time. And with the press, I was so used to saying exactly what happened to my dad and describing it as they wanted me to like in detail, but more of a like, this is what happened and this is what I saw. But I never said how it made me feel. Um, it was just very matter of fact, this is, this is how it is. Um, but I'd never really like addressed any of my feelings towards it. So this is what the therapist like explained to me. So he'd asked me to say to him what happened to my dad and why I was traumatized. Um, and I just told him without crying. And he said, right, I want you to slow down and start again from the beginning and tell me how you felt at each moment and how it makes you feel now. And I couldn't, I couldn't even get past like going out of the house. Um, I, so he said I couldn't leave therapy until I could reach the end of my story without crying. So I'd like there were some sessions I'd go in there and I'd just cry for like 45 minutes. Um, and the way he did the CBT, he said 
imagine if you've got a fear of spiders and um, I've got like a, a spider in the room, it's a tiny little money spider and it's underneath a glass. He said, by the end of the session, that spider will have turned into a tarantula and it'll be on your hand and you'll be fine. Um, so I was like, right, okay, because I absolutely hate spiders for the record. Um, <laughs> so that, I actually thought like, oh God, I hope it doesn't bring in a real life tarantula. I'm not coming back. Um, but yeah, by the end of the session, I literally, I was just a new person. Um, I'll, I remember a turning point for me was I had to, um, for every session I had to close my eyes and I had to imagine my dad in the hospital bed and that was the bit that I couldn't get past it for weeks um, without without tearing up. And the, I remember the session where I, I could describe exactly how I felt, what my dad looked like. I could like, because I passed out when I went into the hospital to see my dad. And the last thing to go when you're dying is your hearing apparently. And I couldn't say anything. And it's one thing that always like stays with me that I never said bye to my dad. Whereas my sisters like they were chatting away, but I just was, I couldn't say anything. Um, so it was nice in the session that he was like, well, what would you have said to him? So that when I got through that without crying, I knew that he'd like really helped me. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just making, it's making your brain realize that it's, it's not real. It's not happening to me right at this present moment. And it's a way of turning the negative into a positive and moving past it. So it's kind of like, I, because I've not ever experienced anything like that. The thing I can kind of liken it to is, is anxiety when you get kind of like that wave, but it's the memory coming to the front of your mind being like, this is happening yeah, now. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Gosh. And I I don't know whether you would feel comfortable telling people a little bit more about your dad and, and what happened. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty much used to talking about it. Um, so the evening that my dad got attacked, he basically left um, our house because uh, there was some news messing around um in the house next door and going along the road and like trashing the cars and things like that. Um, and he literally just went out to speak to them um, and walked down down the road. And then there was a gang of like 14 kids. And when I say kids, I mean kids. Like they were like really young teenagers. I'm not talking adults here. Um, so I just can't get my head around it because why would a child get end up in this situation? But anyway, um, and then yeah, so uh, there was two girls there, but they weren't involved in anything. It was um, just the guys. And yeah, they basically, it happened so quickly, they just turned on my dad and literally kicked him to the floor. Um, and then I ran up to chase after the guys. And I remember running past my dad and there was just a pool of blood like all around him. And I literally was like, oh, my dad will be fine. He's like Superman. He's like, he's absolutely fine. It's just like, I, I, I literally thought he'd be fine. And then I ran down the road and grabbed hold of one of the guys. Yeah, it was it was myself and my youngest sister that witnessed the full attack and everything. Um, and she was only twelve at the time, so yeah, it's I mean it's horrendous like to think that she had to go through that. I mean I was eighteen, I know, but like I, I hate thinking about having Amy there as well. It's just horrible. Obviously, I know the story because you're one of my friends, but it makes me so sad to like even hear you now talking about like how it affected other people like and not just about like how you feel like that speaks volumes about like who you are that you're just always more worried about <laughs> other people than than yourself but I think I wish I could express to people who are listening that don't know you like what a strong and resilient person you are because to have gone through all of that which is too much for anybody to have to deal with and then having 
dealt with losing Emmy the last year, I just, I can't to have you sat here and be strong enough to be able to share your story and talk about how you feel and how you've got the help and how you're working on like becoming better at dealing with it, I just think is amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and um, I w- wondered whether like, we don't have to talk too much about Emmy, but like whether um, you noticed a difference in how you've managed dealing with losing her and dealing with grief this time around, like so far between. I've learned the the biggest difference between Emmy and my dad is that I've learned not to run away. Um, I don't want to. Um, I know Emmy would be furious of me if I acted the same way again. Because one of the first things I did when I stopped feeling numb about my dad, I just I literally ran away to Ibiza and I was drunk a lot of the time. Um, and I promised Emmy that I'd never, um, I'd never do anything like that, which is one of the main reasons. I, I moved back from Ibiza um, to to be there for Emma. I wasn't expecting to to lose her um, as soon as we did, shortly after me moving back. Um, that was a massive shock. Um, and I just learned to embrace that sadness I, rather than shelving it away, because I think a lot of people are taught to, you know, you, you should be strong, you can't cry, you can't have emotions. Um, and my own experience, I've been told that I wasn't crying enough and then I was told I was crying too much and finding that balance in my own journey has been incredibly difficult. So I knew that when Emmy passed that I just had to deal with it my own way and not, you know, it's it's an okay way to do it. Like, it, you know, everyone deals with grief in their own way and you can't really tell if they're doing it wrong or not. You've just got to let them go in their own journey with it. Um, but yeah, like I, I st- I'm still dealing with the loss of Emmy now, like it's not even been a year. Um, and she has been my best friend since like four or five years old. I spoke to every single day. So I, I lived abroad for a really long time, but we still spoke as much as we could. And um, there was a short period where we were both in London and that was amazing. And I hold on to all those memories, but yeah, I'm, I'm st- I can't really say if I've dealt with it better or not, cause I'm still like in that process of, of grieving. Like I miss her terribly. Yeah. I think about her every day, so. I think the thing I noticed more so was that you like you said you were very much like in the present with it yeah and dealing with it like when when it initially happened obviously like grief is doesn't have a time period on it and it's it it's not something that you'll ever kind of get over but I think you have definitely embraced how you feel a lot more which I think is a positive thing I think having CBT has definitely made me more aware of like my thoughts and my patterns and my triggers and things like that so um how does that help because I've like obviously if uh, people talk a lot about CBT yeah but if could you explain like how it what what techniques you use or how it yeah sure so it you have to just be aware of like all your thoughts and emotions so um I've actually got a scale like emotions from like one to twenty and like depression and resentment and anger like all at the bottom and then love and happiness are all at the top and it's you kind of have to mark yourself and where you're at on that scale and you know the lower end of the scale towards like depression is obviously not where you want to be you don't want to be anxious so it's it's helping yourself get back to the like the high end of the scale and you know and the easiest way to do that is gratitude what are you thankful for right now and just remember that life isn't happening like to you personally it's just happening um so that's something that I learned with CBT and 
every time a negative thought came into my head, I'd be like, this is just a negative thought. Like I can make, I can just spin it, whether it's spinning that direct thought or thinking, oh, do you know what? I'm, my health is fine. Like I'm really lucky to be alive right now. You know, I wake up each, each and every day and I'm, I'm healthy. And like, just if you can remember to be grateful, you instantly kind of feel better. It, you know, you, there's always something to be grateful for. You know, if you can just think of one thing at that time, yeah, um, that that's what it taught me really. So, and that really helps. Do you think that like that's obviously been incredibly helpful for you? But do you think it suppresses how you feel at all? I think it's interesting you said that because a lot of the books that I've read, a lot of self help books, they bang on about the importance of positivity to the point where if you're like me, you can then start to feel guilty for not being positive and then you get anxious because you're not positive and, God, I've got to be the super happy person all the time and, my God, it, you know, I'm, it, it's this vicious cycle. But then if you just bring yourself back down to, like like I said, like the present moment, actually go, do you know what, I'm going to deal with these feelings. I'm allowed to be sad today. I don't have to be sad for the rest of my life, but today, right now, in this moment, I'm sad and that's okay. Um, and then try, I can try again tomorrow. But don't make yourself feel bad or put pressure on yourself or be guilty you know, if you want to stay in bed for a week go for it but you know the life is is worth living like if you can get out of bed try so yeah and um like I, I like you've rightly said I don't think there's ever going to be like a cookie cutter way to deal with losing somebody or managing grief but um are there any tips apart from like the the secret and all of the other kind of self-help books that you have found really helpful is there any advice that you could give or tips that you could give for anybody to cope like whether that's someone that's like experiencing grief for the first time or whether it is someone close to someone who's lost someone like you said with your friend when you lost your dad yeah I think for me um god I've literally tried everything to help me through grief um but the two key things are just dealing with your emotions so don't don't push them away and pretend that they're not real um because they will come you know if you think oh I'm fine and you you think you're fine for like a day and then that soon comes into a week and then a month and then you like me five years down the line I kept saying I was fine and I wasn't fine so just like there is no time limit but deal deal with it um don't don't run away from grief it's nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed by We're, we're human we're entitled to to go through that period and then second of all talk about it um to talk to people that uh, even if you feel as a lot of the time I felt like a lot of the people around me didn't know what to say to me I think because in my case particularly it wasn't you know like my dad had just died of old age um what what do you say to someone who's been through something like I mean there's not a lot that's going to instantly make them feel better but as long as you know that someone's there to listen and to talk to you when you're not having a good day that's that's the most important thing. So talking definitely helped me. Gosh, I, even at the beginning of this year, I had a massive blip. Of, I really didn't want to be here in, in January. I'd had, it was a really bad time for me. Like everything with Emma and moving back to the UK, it was all a bit of a a whirlwind. And all I did was sit on the bathroom floor in, in London with my mum and just talk to her. And just talking to my mum helped. And then yeah. you kind of go from there and you're not going to feel fine overnight and just keep that in mind but it does get better thank you zoe i really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to speak about something that is so personal and i think you're wonderful oh thank you for having me 
thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed the episode please rate review and subscribe and in the meantime you can find me on instagram at listen.louder i'd love to chat with you